You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Tuesday, October 10th, here on Monday, Football Monday. Yes, we know what it is. We hope you had a happy holiday on Monday. A reminder before we go any further that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is the SB Nation NFL show, which you can subscribe to, which you should subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating, write a review. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Uh, it is Tuesday. Uh, again, we were off on Monday. We are here to recap actually all of the Week 5 action uh, across the NFL now that Monday night football is in the books. My name is RJ Ochoa. The incredible Rachel Prevet is on the ones and twos as always. And with me as they are every single Monday, Mark Schofield and JP Acosta from SBNation.com. Uh, a big thank you from me to the crew. We were actually supposed to start 30 minutes ago, but everybody was kind enough to wait for me to take care of something. But Mark, uh, a big, you know, kind of something negative to you because I took a lot of heat um, on Monday uh, for us not doing this show. A lot of people were like, oh, Arjun didn't want to do Monday Football Monday after the Cowboys got destroyed on Sunday Night Football. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but it was your idea to kick this down the road to Tuesday. So I think we're even as far as you being patient. Well, at the same time, I came to your defense on the timeline because there, there were some tweets that were thrown at us saying RJ's ducking it, doesn't want to do the show. And I'm like, look, if anybody has a reason to duck doing this show on Monday, it's not RJ whose team lost to perhaps the best team in football. It's me. Okay. Because now I have to talk about after a 38 to 3 loss to the Dallas Cowboys by the New England Patriots, a 34 to nothing loss at home by the Patriots to the Saints. Like you follow up the worst loss of the Belichick era with the worst home loss of the Belichick era. Belichick's talk, talking about starting over. How? How in the world are they starting over right now? What? Like this is just a disaster. Imagine having a team that lost last week or this Sunday. That's crazy. Yeah. Unless you won in the United States, JP, it doesn't count. I mean, yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, Real, so, Brexit, uh, board don't here, count. Real Brexit Jesus. Um, it was a tough, even Rachel's team lost too. I mean, like, we just can't line up where all of our teams uh win on the same week. Look, given what's happening with my team, I don't know if we're ever gonna line up this year. Like, let's put it that way. That's true. Um, I suppose we should just go ahead and dive in. Uh, but this is um one of my favorite memes is the like going into the comment section, like putting on the hazmat suit stuff. Um, so let, let's get the, mine over with at least uh, my, my you know walking of the plank. Uh, JP, uh, Mark mentioned it. The San Francisco 49ers might be the very best team in the NFL. I think they are. Uh, it doesn't make me feel better that they are. Uh, but 42 to 10, the final score. I have a lot of Cowboys thoughts, obviously. 
Uh, but I'm certainly open to hearing what you both have to say. How impressed were you? How disappointed were you? Uh, Sunday night did not live up to game of the year billing. Might be. I think they are. Like, this is – it's really tough to say any other team is the best team in the NFL right now. I mean, you can say the Eagles, but the Niners have completely obliterated the competition this entire year. The only team that's really gotten close was the Los Angeles Rams. But the thing that stood out the most to me watching – the 49ers against the Cowboys is how easy they made everything look on offense. This was supposed to be the best defense in the NFL. I still think the Cowboys are a very good defense. You just don't have a lot of answers for this San Francisco 49ers offense. It's, it's really truly like everybody takes a turn. You know how they have like the elite, like NBA teams where like one day, one player will go for 40 and next day, another player will go for 30 and 10. That's basically what the 49ers are. If Chris McCaffrey's not having a great game, oh, Brock Purdy will just throw the ball over the middle to Brandon Ayuk. That'll get called back for 10 yards for holding, and it's like it doesn't even matter because they'll do the same route to Debo Samuel, and it'll go for 20 yards. There's just so many stars. so They're too talented. And then defensively, they just – the Cowboys are a bad matchup for the 49ers when it comes to their offense against the 49ers' defense because of the way the Cowboys play offense. They want to be brutally efficient. They want to move the ball six to 10 yards. But if you can't create separation, if you can't win on the outside, the 49ers want you to take those quick routes. Because as soon as you start taking those six-yard routes, those six yards turn to four yards, four yards turn to two yards. And they have one of the fastest defenses in the league that can close gaps on anything. And they might have the defensive player of the year as well with Fred Warner. So it's just... The Cowboys and the 49 the 49ers are a really bad matchup for the Cowboys. That's that's really it. Um, Mark, um, if you'll allow me, uh, I appreciate JP not dragging my favorite team, but I don't think we can just leave it at oh, the 49ers are a bad matchup for them. The Niners have ended the last two seasons for the Cowboys in the wild card divisional rounds, respectively. Uh, the Cowboys have talked about ever since the first one of those losses how they wanted to get tougher, how they wanted to, and that those are, are their words, they wanted to be able to handle this team. They wanted to be able to go toe-to-toe with this team. They wanted to be able to go shot for shot. You can say that the two playoff losses were close. At least they were from a score standpoint. This was not. Like, the, the gap looks further and farther than it ever has. And they have been talking this game up for weeks. The week that Dallas went to visit Arizona, C.D. Lamb said separation comes for us in week five. Last week, they said it's not a regular season game. Uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo had a great line. He said, if it's not a regular season game, then it's not a regular loss compared to normal losses. This is a pathetic loss, Mark. Like, this was, you were screaming for a chance to play this team, and then you got blown out. Like, you are nowhere near contender status. And I that might be an overreaction to some people, but it's not in my estimation. Yeah, it's like when you see like a college football game, maybe not this season, but last season, and some you know team pulls off a minor upset and they start chanting, we want Bam. And it's like, all right, you sure you want that? Because this is exactly what happened to Dallas, right? They've been chanted, like you said, for weeks. Like, this is our heat check game. This is our measuring stick game. This is not a regular season game. Well, by those metrics, you just lost a big one. And you lost it in embarrassing fashion on a Sunday night in front of a national audience. And Look, that there's a lot of blame to go around. I think JP's points about the Niners being just a bad matchup for Dallas remain valid. And the history, the recent history between these two teams sort of speaks to that. But I also think, look, this offense didn't look great 
Like, mm-hmm. and yes, it's a very good defense. Go and off, Fred dude. Water, I, I, I've got it right here. Like Fred Water, best defensive player in the league. Like right in my notes. Like I think we're headed towards that conversation. This offense looked bad. It looked static. It looked stuck in the mud. Dak had a very bad game. And coming into this game, the question was, can Dak win a game like this? Well, he didn't. And I, I've been a big Dak, back Dak defender over the years. RJ, you know this. This is not a game where you're going to put it on the mantle and say, yeah, this is a good Dak performance. This is where he plays well. Like, it was a bad performance from start to finish. Uh, Dallas is still going to be a good football team. And I think they'll be in the playoffs and they'll be in the mix. But there is a big gap right now, at least, between these two teams. And as you said, it's been there for a while now. Um, JP, what I would offer, and maybe I'm just like, you know, like, you know, when you're sad, and you're just like, nobody offer me any happy thoughts whatsoever. Like, I just want to be in my own misery. Like, I agree with you both. I think Dallas is one of the better teams in the NFL. But what what meaning does that hold? You know what I mean? Like, because if, if you're going to run into this team in the playoffs, you know, which you are eventually, like, you can't beat them. Like, you know, like they're, they're, Sunday night proved there is a glass ceiling on this team. And it may be higher than it is for most of the NFL, but it still exists. And a- again, like, I think these things are dumb and narrative-y and whatever, but you can talk about like, oh, Dak doesn't show up for big games. And I have fought the good fight on these things, and Mark knows that as well. But this feeds that. Like, this feeds the narrative that that they are your daddy because they are if you're the Cowboys. Like, you have to answer to the 49ers. And Micah Parsons, I love Micah Parsons, JP. He has earned the right to talk. But chill out with getting all upset that George Kittle wore an F Dallas shirt. They have the right. George Kittle had three touchdowns in this game. Like, like you you have to take your lumps here is, is my kind of perspective. But again, I may just be stuck in the funk. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like you guys said, and like we've been paired it, you know, the Cowboys and the, 40, the 49ers are a bad matchup for the Cowboys. Yes. But every year, this this conference runs through San Francisco. You need to find a way to beat those guys. When it comes to Dak and the offense, I think it was a lot of things. Dak played bad, very, very bad. The offense was very, very static. I think a lot of the Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore stuff, I think it was like, oh, you miss Kellen Moore now? Not really, because the same thing happened last year. Now I think it starts to come to like, hey, maybe these receivers just aren't good enough. They don't have anybody who can create separation. The 49ers were not scared of the Dallas Cowboys receiving core. And it showed. They played man coverage and was like, you need to beat us on the outside. Michael Gallup cannot win at that at this point right now. He's not an outside guy who's going to win. They doubled C.D. Lamb and were basically like, hey, you got to go find someone else to, to beat us. It was perfect example on like third and three, how all of the problems with the Dallas offense existed in one play. The spacing on this all slants concept was really bad. Nobody could get separation, and Dak takes a sack because Nick Bosa's insane. Like that's the entire like spacing's bad, receivers bad. You just don't have the guys to keep up with San Francisco. So it's really just like, hey, they're a good team. The, the Cowboys are a good team, but they they're like middle class of the NFC right now because there are only two teams at the top. Um, wow, the disrespect to the Detroit Lions, whatever. Let's move on. Um, Mark, do you just want to get this over with? I mean, let's just rip yeah, off this. Th- this isn't fast forwardable, uh, just for what nope. it's worth. Um, I just want to point out, I need to point out here this is a brutally bad football team. I'm just gonna say that at the outset. And just let me go, just let me go. All right, 
They are 32nd in EPA per play. That's last. 32nd in EPA per dropback. 32nd in EPA per run play. 32nd in points per game with 11. 32nd in offensive touchdowns with six. They have not scored an offensive touchdown since Farrell Brown and I think the second quarter against the Jets. And that was, I think, still in September, last I checked. 32nd in points per drive, 0.87. JP, what's the point of playing offense? It's to do what? Score points. And are they scoring points? Absolutely not. RJ, they are 32nd in all of these categories. How many NFL teams are there? That would be 32. Look, I was a brutally bad lawyer. I have struggled to make arguments before. Even I can make the case that right now the New England Patriots are the worst football team in the NFL. Um, I had the 31st in my power rankings at Blog and the Boys, um, only ahead of the Carolina Panthers. And they have a win. You know what I mean? Like, it's a division win, too, whatever. Um, Yeah, JP, this is a tough scene. I mean, like, I I don't even think the Saints are that good. I know we talked about, like, how they, you know, would would maybe, like, run away with, like, 12 or 13 wins because of how bad the schedule is. But we didn't even give them this game. Like, you know, like, we were like, oh, they'll struggle against New England. Like, this this is – I mean, like, I don't look, I mean, like everyone has a Belichick take at this point, JP, but like who, my question to you is who's he coaching next year? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I, I just find it so unfathomable that like that guy can get fired from this job, but Bill Belichick, the GM has kind of undercut Bill Belichick, the head coach especially on the offensive side of the ball. Think about all the high draft picks that were spent on this offense and how none of them are on the team right now. Mac Jones is one of the only remaining first-round offensive picks that are left on this team, and he might not even have a job next year. It's so bad of Taylor Kyle's good friend, 39 plays for for Mac Jones on offense, 10 of them were negative. That's not good. (laughs) That's not good at all. Like, it's just Mac Jones has taken such a bad step back this year that even the good plays look like they're all struggling. It's so hard for them to generate anything good on offense, and all the bad plays are catastrophic ones. It's like they cannot turn a sack into a normal sack where you just lose yards. It's Mac Jones tries to do too much, throw the duck, pick six. And now you're behind the eight ball again. It's like we can't even come up with an accurate, like, hey, are the Saints any good? You can't even say that because the Patriots are that bad of a football team right now. So I don't know what's going to happen with Bill Belichick next year. I just think it would be very funny if this all ends up with the Cowboys farting it up in the playoffs again. Bill Belichick is gone for the Patriots, and we have Dallas Cowboys head coach Bill Belichick. I would hate that a lot, um, <laughs> but um, um, I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility. Mark, who's he coaching next year? My my answer would be the New York Giants. Well, I mean, for years, right, the quote that was around New England circles was Tom Brady Sr. when he said in New York Times Magazine in January of 2015, it will end badly. It's a cold business, and for as much as you want it to be familial, it isn't. And he was talking, obviously, about his son, Tom, and how it ended, right? And it ended badly. It's going to end badly here with Belichick at this point because JP's point is right. Bill Belichick, the GM, if he's not just on the hot seat, that seat is completely on fire like Fernando Alonso in the Carter Grand Prix this weekend. Like, it's it's bad. 
and he's probably cost them some seasons here. But you can't, if you're Robert Kraft, go to Belichick and say, look, you're giving up GM responsibility. You can try that. He's going to say no. He's from the Parcel school. You know, if you want me to make dinner, let me shop for the groceries. So it's going to end badly. As far as where he's coaching, where he's coaching next year, my defensive coordinator, my last year at Western University, where Bill Belichick also went, was John Rappa, who is now the witness lacrosse coach in Wesleyan men's history. Belichick is going to be his assistant coach, or he's going to be the assistant women's lacrosse coach at Holy Cross, where his daughter is the, the head coach of women's lacrosse. He's going to coach lacrosse somewhere. He's not going to the Cowboys. He's not going to go to the Giants. He's not going to. When he's done, with the Patriots, I think he's done coaching in the NFL. It would be a shame because obviously he wants Shula's record. But I can't imagine – maybe I'm wrong here, but I can't imagine him then going to the Giants or going to the Cowboys or some other spot that ends up. The Browns. The return. I mean, that would be a heck of a story. (laughs) That would be hilarious. um, Wesleyan's also where Ted Mosby uh, went to school. So uh, good to have a shout-out from Mark. Um, tough times for New England, Mark. But I think that's no, no, no football fan feels for you. Like you've, you know, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and it's you've fun. got a long way to go no, before we're they. all square. I am, <laughs> I am certainly not here asking for sympathy from anybody. Like as a Boston sports fan, like we had a great run, and it's time to get your shots in, and we're gonna sit here and have to take them because look, who are we to complain? Uh, JP, I never you thought do. in twenty-three years of life that the Patriots would like actually be bad at football. I thought they'd just be good. For my Look, man, some of us remember one yeah. in fifteen, the Rod Rust, the, the the Pete Carroll days. Pete Carroll used to coach the Patriots. JP, did you know that? No. <laughs> there you go. Did you really not know that, JP? Um, no. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. That was when when he got hired yeah. in Seattle. That was all anybody brought up. It was like, oh, it's going to end just as badly. Um, so do you know the Belichick napkin story in the Jets? I know that story. I know okay. that story. I just well, didn't know that Pete Carroll was What I would offer, JP, is while you might be too young to imagine the Patriots being bad, you've seen the fall of the San Antonio Spurs, my chosen NBA team. Now, granted, when here, all is good now, but, um, you know, all dynasties will fall. Uh, so just be aware of that. But um, yours is just beginning. Let's head out uh, to London. Um, I saw Rich Eisen. I had admittedly never seen this joke. Um, he tweeted, sorry, Mark. Uh, he was like, I can hear the booze from new England here in old England. He was obviously on the call for the London game. I'd never heard that, that joke made before. So I thought it was funny. Uh, old England, uh, were witnesses JP to the 25, 20 win that the Jaguars had over the bills. Um, I think the story here is the bills. No offense. Uh, it was a great performance by the Jaguars, not trying to take anything away. You didn't have the toy story shine to this game. Um, but super impressive performance by Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. Nonetheless, this is a monumental win for this Jaguars team. If you think about a couple of weeks ago, they play the Chiefs and they have a very similar game to this. It looks really close. The offense is struggling. The defense is playing fantastic. By the way, the Jaguars might have a top 10 defense in the NFL right now. Not even might. They have a top 10 defense in the NFL. They're the best team in the NFL against the run, against the pass. They're doing so much. One of the things that I enjoyed about Mike Caldwell this year and against Josh Allen and this Bills team is how much pressure he sent without making it all look the same. It was just, he, he had guys coming, free runners everywhere. He was forcing Josh Allen to be wrong. And that really messed up this Bills offense, especially when the Bills could not run the ball. I think they had 29 rushing yards on the entire game. The Jaguars are the best run defending team in the NFL right now. And that's without their best run defender, Devon Hamilton, in the game. He's still injured. Trevon Walker, I know a lot has been said about like 
his actual pass rush ability. But that dude can defend the hell out of the run. And that's why the Bills want to play. They want to be efficient in 11 personnel because they want to force teams to be in nickel. You can't run on the Jaguars in nickel because they have Javon Walker, who's basically a defensive tackle out on the edge. But Trevor Lawrence was so good on Sunday. This was the best game of Trevor Lawrence's career. The, the yard, the touchdowns might not look gaudy, but by total EPA, this was Trevor Lawrence's best career game. He was ungodly on third down. Like, it was insane. I think my favorite throw of the game, it was third and seven. The Bills are bringing the blitz, and he's fading away from the far hash and hits Calvin Ridley on a comeback route to move the chains. It was like that every single play. He was nine for 10 on third down on in Sunday on London, on Sunday in London. And the one incompletion was a drop by Zay Jones that he put right in the bucket. This was a monumental win for the Jaguars because you could start to feel the offense kind of get it back going, get it back in motion. They had a lot of success in play action. I think Trevor Lawrence went like nine of 10 on play action. Travis Etienne had a fantastic game. He's played really well this season. It just hasn't like popped to the massive like NFL landscape because the offensive line hasn't played that good. But even with the two fumbles, even with the offensive line looking shaky in the second half, Trevor Lawrence played his best career game. And that's a good sign for this Jaguars team. Calvin Ridley looked amazing. And that's a really good sign for a Jaguars team who they looked bad, but they're still three and two and they're leading the division. And they had the Colts coming up without Anthony Richardson. This could be the run. This could be the thing that they needed. Maybe they needed to go to London and get away from all of the pressure that comes with being in the States. It's kind of like that episode of Ted Lasso where they go to Amsterdam. That's exactly what this is. They needed to go to Amsterdam. Um, okay. So who got <laughs> wildly out of their mind like Coach Beard? That's my big yeah. question. Who was out of their mind like Coach Beard? Um, that is 100% Josh Allen. That is Jaguars Josh Allen. He played um, out of his mind. JP, if you don't write this article for SBNation.com, what the hell are we doing here? Um, because, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean – Again, I was a little cold to this at first, but the more I think, like, we need the, the, I know that Mark understandably went to the, the coach beer thing, but we need like everyone. We need all the stories yeah. um, to fully be like told and connected and everything. Um, so we need to understand like who's Roy, who's Jamie, who's Rebecca, who's Ted, obviously. Um, so that's your assignment this week. Mark, um, your assignment is the Bills half of this. Um, look, they were the best three in one team that DVOA had ever chronicled. We talked about that a week ago. I do think the haters, myself included, were kind of waiting for this. Um, this this looks a lot better because of the way the Bills kind of came on fire near the end of the game, but it was pretty gross. It was pretty tough sledding for them early on. They've taken some heat for not traveling to London earlier, uh, whatever the case may be, but this is a tough loss for the Bills no matter what way you look at it. Yeah, it's a tough loss. I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, you could probably make the case that given how it started for them and how they were sort of sluggish early, like, yeah, maybe they should have gone out there a little bit earlier and sort of got acclimated to it. I also think, look, they're banged up now. I mean, when you're seeing that they're bringing Josh Norman in, I mean, look, Josh Norman at one time was a fantastic cornerback in the NFL. But those days are a little bit behind us, I think. And I understand, look, it's for depth or whatever, but, like, they are hurting right now. They've had lost a number of players. Milano's down. White's down. 
Like I think that's going to be the bigger story for them going forward. Look, you saw Josh Allen four plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Like they could still, when they need to, find some offense. Yes, the consistent story of they can't run the ball, going to be an issue. But I think going forward, the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, that's going to be the problem because, you know, you can score some points when you need to, but if you can't have the kind of sustained offensive success like we saw from them early in this game and you're going to find yourself down 18 points or down 20 points, that's a tough place to be in as a team. And even with those injuries, like it's not just like people just dropping like flies, which they were, but Matt Milano's out for the year. That is a major knee injury. He is their best linebacker. He's arguably their best player. Teron Johnson, I don't know how he finished the game based on how that injury looked. He might be their most important player on that team. Von Miller played, but he was on a snap count because he's coming off a tour in ACL. Daquan Jones tore a peck. He's going to be up. That's a massive blow to the run game. It's just all not looking great for that defense injury-wise. Offensively, I know I'm going to sound like a homer. Care about the uh the flight thing, the looking sluggish. Maybe the Jaguars defense is that damn good. That's just that's really what this is. I think the Jaguars defense deserves more respect. I think we took the Texans game. That was a bad. There were a few major coverage busts in that game. And now looking at the Texans, you're kind of like, hey, maybe this team is actually like not a doormat. But this Jaguars defense is really, really, really good. And they did this without Devon Hamilton, without Dewan Smoot, and without Devin Lloyd, who was out with a fractured thumb. They're getting all those guys back soon this season. So a lot's going to be made of like, oh, the Bills look sluggish. Oh, why do they keep playing games in London? The Jaguars were over there for two weeks. Miss me with the London stuff. They've been doing this for years now. I hate it every year. Get over it. The Jaguars defense is legitimately very good. To be clear, JP, the London thing is a dumb and loser excuse, but the Jaguars being there for two weeks was like billed as an exam and it is an advantage. You know what I mean? So like you you saying that like it's a demerit is you know the opposite of what other people are saying. But those are other people, not me. I'm your people. Um, you mentioned the doormat that are or were not are not the Houston Texans. Um, I was pissed because this was my lock of the week on Friday's show. Um, I took Texans at plus one and a half. Um, bad beat. Uh, CJ Stroud did take the lead after Mark. He took the record for most attempts to start a career without throwing an interception he took down Dak Prescott first time Dak went down on Sunday afternoon 21 to 19 the final score Arthur Smith's team got the win but they felt like the less impressive bunch in my mind yeah perhaps they were the less impressive bunch I mean first of all with Stroud this is a great example because we all remember the interception he threw week one of the preseason on that Thursday night game and everybody was like oh boy he's gonna be a bust yeah well don't overreact to the preseason. That's when people learn, kids. Um, yeah, as far as, like, Atlanta, I mean, yes, this was sort of a Desmond Ritter breakout game, 329, the touchdown, no interceptions, like an 81.4 QBR, 111.2 quarterback rate, and seventh-best quarterback rate in this week, which I think speaks more to that as a statistic than anything else. I mean, Alfred Smith dialed it up some, I'd say, I don't want to say creative, but it's – Functional stuff for Ritter in the passing game, and it worked. A lot of play action and eye candy and things like that. Like, I don't know how sustainable it will be. You know, this is a Texas team that I think is punching above their weight class right now. We expected them to, except for you, RJ, I will continue to note that. We expected them to be sort of a, you know, shaky team, you know, during a, a rebuilding mode for them. I think they've been better than that. I think this is a game where, like, 
you know, two teams that probably are going to be in like the lower tiers of the NFL when all is said and done this season. They punched each other around for a little bit. I'd rather be the Texans than the Falcons going forward, though, at least right now because of the quarterback position. I'm going to risk sounding like a hater here, but the Texans were without like three other starting four defensive backs. <laughs> like that, that has to be like an account. You have to account for that. So you're so hating I on the Falcons, like to be clear. Yes. I'm, okay. I'm, I thought you because well, you're, you're for, the, like a hater. for the podcast audience, you're literally wearing your Jaguars visor. So, like, this kind of, you know, I thought you were coming in to hate on and smush on the Texans. You're no, I'm not going to hate on, on the CJ Texans. Stroud's, think, you know, record or whatever. Okay. Go, go off. No, I'm not going to hate on the Texans. I just, I'm not there yet. Team. <laughs> Nobody's there yet. No, nobody no, believes no, in this team. Do, nobody does. They do creative stuff on offense. I think the defense is actually like very fun. They do some really cool stuff defensively, but I just need I I just need some some more from the quarterback when I'm not starting out there at defensive back for the other team. I will say though, the overhead cam of Bijan Robinson, oh, he's doing that. That's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, it should only be like they should have like the Bijan camp. It's like yeah. a like like they should strap like a GoPro. To Another Bijan. article I would you should write for SBNation.com, JP. Right here, you're you're just kind of on a fire uh, or on fire this morning from a brainstorming perspective. Um, yeah. I had a Celsius today. My brain is on. My brain's on. Oh, there fire. we go. Okay. Um, yeah. Again, I agree with. I mean, I think we're all on the same page. Atlanta's going to trick themselves in the offseason to thinking that they're better than they really are. You know what I mean? And they're going to, you know, just nobody nobody buys it okay let's move on um the detroit lions mark um they're doing it 42 to 24 latest win over the carolina panthers mark you've played a lot of quarterback more than most people in their life have you ever seen a play design uh where the snap went through the quarterback's legs directly to the running back i actually have because they took that from william and mary where i went to law school they were on the go-go offense Colby Sersdahl, one of their offensive linemen, was a five-year starter at right tackle. Like he said, look, we need to run this play. Ben Johnson was in his bag on Sunday, man, because, yes, there was that play. As JP wrote about, the, like, flea flicker reverse touchdown to Kittle, everybody was raving about on Sunday night. Yeah, the Lions ran that earlier in the day to Sam Laporta for a touchdown. Like, Ben Johnson is going to have his choice of jaws next year. Like, provided he wants to go. Now, he decided to come back because he wanted to finish what he was doing and pad the resume out a little bit more. That resume might include Jared Goff MVP. Because if he keeps playing at this rate, like, we are are we living on a timeline? Are we living on a timeline where Jared Goff wins MVP? At this rate, we might be. That hit me like a sack of bricks. Oh, my God. I, I mean, look, it's a quarterback award. It is a narrative-driven award. If they if they somehow finish with, like, the one seed or something like that or the two seed, there's a path to that, I I suppose. Yeah. There, there is, like, a redemption arc to Goff's story as well. And and people are, people are hungry, JP, to, like, give the Lions any kind of award or attention that they can. So, like, I mean, I've heard worse things. I've heard worse ideas. Like, that the Cowboys could beat the Niners is one example. I think the coolest thing about this Lions team is that they've found ways to remain explosive while not having Jamison Williams for the first few games of the season and not having Jamison Williams up to speed. Jamison Williams has really kind of just been like a non-factor. and Jared Goff is still like leading the NFL in passes over 20 yards. Like that's, that's something you didn't expect from Jared Goff in terms of aggression down the field. He is the king of the 12-yard dig. 
He's been doing that since Sean McVay got to him. He's doing it now. It's just so fun watching this offense because they can do the high-flying stuff that you want out of a passing game. But when they want to slow a game down, they have the offensive line and run game to do that. David Montgomery is playing some of his best football in Detroit. It's not just like, oh, he's running behind this offensive line. His yards after contact, his first down rate, they're all extremely impressive. And it's helping that Jameer Gibbs is also, he didn't play, but they have so many versatile guys on this offense. They they made the Panthers look like a JV football team. But aren't the Panthers a JV football team? I mean, JP? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's have have you guys seen the Frank Wright comment that's floating around about David Tepper? Um, yeah. Um, Mark, the the Panthers are down bad. Like, you know, it's and they're not the team that had the number one overall pick to where like they usually suck because the team sucked for a little bit. Like they're the team who traded up for the number one overall pick. Like Jared Goff was in that boat, obviously with the Rams himself seven years ago. Um, this is this is looking like it's you know maybe we're at like DefCon three. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as our good friend James Data wrote last week, they could certainly use DJ Moore. I mean, like he wrote the piece, like the that Panthers so should trade for Thursday DJ night. Moore. Like I mean. Yeah. <laughs> they they need some help for Bryce Young. Now, Young's been okay. Like, I know there's a lot of panic right now. I don't think he's been that bad. Um, you know, he had the two interceptions. One tried to be a little bit too cute on a screen, and Hutchinson sort of picked his pocket. The other one I think is a little bit more concerning because it's left hash, flat seven smash concept. It gets a cover two look, and you can't get that throw in, and the cornerback can jump you from the flat and pick that off when you're trying to throw the deeper out. Like, that's an arm strength concern that is going to be something to watch. Because uh, it's not like people said that Yon had an absolute cannon coming out. They need to get him a little bit of help. Like, the fact that they had to give up more to go get him, now you have to piece together some weapons around him. It kind of sets you back a little bit. The hope is that it will be worth it in the end because Yon will be the player that you wanted. But now when you get in the Tepper stuff and, you know, some belief maybe inside and around the building that maybe Reich wanted, I don't know, maybe CJ Stroud. Um yeah, it's going to make things look even worse, especially when you contrast it with how well Stroud's playing. And so, yeah, they're struggling right now. They need help for their quarterback, and what they gave up to go get their quarterback isn't in the building anymore. And mm. it's concerning because you knew coming in, Bryce Young's margin for error was going to be extremely small because of his size. You cannot, you cannot create the margin of error that the Panthers have for this quarterback with a guy like this, who is a literal, he is an anomaly at the position. We haven't seen a guy this small, not only in like stature, but in size, be successful at position without being a genuine plus, plus, plus athlete. The Panthers aren't helping themselves. And that's a problem with Bryce Young because now the margin for error is so thin where every good play looks horrendous and every bad play is a turnover. Like, that's not helping him at all. That's not helping you at all. And, of course, the, the Frank Wright, David Tepper stuff is going to get a lot of play. But it is worth reminding you that at Ohio State's Pro Day, the Carolina Panthers sent everybody. And by everybody, I mean they sent Fitter and his wife. They sent the entire farm to watch C.J. Stroud and ended up taking Bryce Young. Very weird. It's just not looking great for the Panthers right now. I don't really see and I don't really see a way up right now. Um the Indianapolis Colts, speaking of rookie quarterbacks, um, did beat the Tennessee Titans 23 to 16. 
Um, I don't know that there's much to discuss here, um, I, except for the... Oh, Mark is hitting fast forward. No. I was going to. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So fast forward. One sentence on uh, the Colts beating the Titans. Mark. I, the image of Richardson, that still photo of him walking off after the shoulder injury is going to haunt me because he looked in absolute agony. And, you know, you worry about shoulder injuries for a quarterback, especially, you know, a, a shoulder injury like this one where it's like uncertain how long he's going to be out because he needs reps. He just needs reps. And he's been so fun to watch, so excited to watch. You know, this was set up for them to have the sort of season where, like, you're going to get this sort of like Jalen Hurts year one, year two out of him, where it's going to be dynamic and it might not result in a ton of wins, but you'll see the path. Having him sidelined is going to set that all back. Mm. JP, one sentence. That was a long one for Mark. Yeah, I, I wanted to fast forward to be clear. <laughs> I will never understand the Tennessee Titans. That's a good sentence um, to go with. Um, my sentence is. Um, I'm very interested in the Shane Steichen Indianapolis Colts, whoever their quarterback winds up being. So, um, okay. Sorry, Titans. Sorry, Colts. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, JP, boat raced, sort of. Uh, the New York Giants, 31 to 16. Um, I mean, it, this was kind of, except, except for the turnovers that made this a little dicey, this was really like par for the course. Like the Dolphins offense went off. Uh, obviously, Daniel Jones got sacked a million times. Uh, the Giants are really bad. The Dolphins are really good. Um, a chains, you know, I'm going to miss some time now, and that's a bummer. But, like, if there's a team who we trust to kind of figure things out, it's obviously Mike McDaniel's Miami, Miami Dolphins. Two through two picks, and they score 31 points. <laughs> like, that's not supposed to happen. This team, I think there's a stat or, like, a graphic going around of, like, the fastest NFL ball carriers this season, and the top five are all Miami Dolphins. We need a cool nickname for this team. We desperately need a cool one. I think I've seen, like, Motions 11 like Ocean's Eleven, which I think is pretty cool. I'm trying to do like some Miami Vice thing in my head. I don't, I can't get it right now. I was thinking something sort of like Tokyo Drift. I'm still, I'm still workshopping it. But from the Giants' perspective, please, <laughs> enough. We can't keep, we can't keep doing this. Do not show me another Giants clip ever, ever this year. This JP, they are, they are on Sunday Night Football this week. I want whoever um, scheduled that on the short bus to hell because that is i will they're playing the bills on sunday night who asked for this who needs the bills i mean the, the, who the new york teams got really good or, or the, the new york teams had successful off seasons and the giants obviously had a great year last year relatively speaking and so like the nfl doubled down hard jp that's we, really all this is i mean so. we need to free ourselves from the shackles of the new york giants because they can't free themselves from themselves. The offensive line has been bad for like five years. Daniel Jones has been bad for like five years. It's just not happening. It's not it. They, Brian Dayball, I wrote about it earlier this past week. Brian Dayball is out of answers. There's, he has nothing else he can do. Last year, he was able to make chicken salad out of chicken crap, but now he's run out of answers. Like it's, it happens, you know, you can scheme up, you can lead a horse to water as many times as possible. You can't make the horse drink and you can't make the horse block. They can't do that right now. And Daniel Jones has never been good at sensing pressure or knowing where the hot routes are or evading pressure. When you have an offensive line that can't block, a quarterback that turns into a pumpkin under pressure and your best offensive player is out with an ankle injury, 
This is what happens. I never, ever want to see the Giants again. Don't show me another clip of Giants football again, or I will be extremely sad. Um, Mark, do you have anything to add on um, the Giants? Or JP, if you allow me to come up with a nickname for the Dolphins, um, the team whose basketball team neighbors did not get Dane Miller. Um, so, um, ouch, man, that's me. I'd I'd say JP, just have another Celsius. You'll come to that name. It will come to you. Another dolphin stat that I did want to throw out there from at Lord, Lord Reeves on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. The dolphins lead the NFL in plays of 10 plus yards with 93 second has 75. They lead the NFL in plays of 15 plus yards with 62. They lead the NFL in plays of 20 plus yards with 32, 30. 40 and on down the line, they lead the NFL in every single category when it comes to plays more than 10, 15, 20, 25 yards. And, and in many ways by a long shot. And so, yeah, you can have a day where two or throws two picks and it won't matter. Dolphins Lions Super Bowl. Who says no? Me. Well, I mean, who, who wouldn't enjoy it? I mean, that's, that's after who wouldn't enjoy it after the, the few days to process the Jaguars losing the AFC championship game. I mean, if we get Dolphins line Super Bowl, you're talking about we get Dolphins line Super Bowl. You're talking about Tua or Goff as your MVP. That's that what I'm saying. And like, imagine, world. imagine the still JP, like you know, when they do media night, and everybody kind of like gets on stage. Yeah, the side by side of Goff and, and Tua at the and, podium. Well, Goff and Tua would be great, but Dan Campbell and Mike McDaniel would just be hilarious to kind of see like lining up once against one another. It'd be the funniest buddy cop movie ever. Yeah, like, like well, exactly. Like twins yeah. with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's kind of, or maybe it's um, kind of like us, kind of like Step Brothers. Yeah, that too. That could work. You know, pe- pe- people love to say like the NFL is better when whoever is better. Um, I really am enjoying the Dolphins being like a steady power at the top, like and being a steady power for being really great on offense. Like to your point, JP, there's something fun about it, like being Miami and things like that. Again, even though Dame Lloyd's not there, uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, let's move on. Uh, sorry, I had to get one more shot. He only scores uh, 10 points in a Sunday night football game and everything just gets spicy all of a sudden. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm pissed it. off, dude. I'm, I'm JP, so like it was a really heavy sports weekend. We obviously had AM Bama. We had the Red River rivalry. Um, the Astros started the ALDS. And then on Sunday night, I had to have two TVs with the Cowboys game and the Astros game, and they both lost. It was a really difficult thing. Um, oh, I'm going to leave you to Prescott did downfield. That is. Crazy. JP, don't attack me. I'm I have I can't control my emotions. I'm just a, a fire hose of emotional negative output right now. I'm sorry that you're on the receiving end of that. You know what else can't be controlled? Look, the Dave Lillard thing was just a naturally uh, it was something that made sense, but I'm gonna leave you two to talk about Steelers Ravens. Um where do we okay? None of this makes sense. Like, absolutely nothing from this game makes sense. Like Seven drops, the most drops in a single NFL game this season by a single team. And this is from a, a Ravens team that I didn't think had any drops coming in. Now everybody's talking about, oh, they're practicing with a rugby ball. Like, it, it's clearly not working. That was one game. But then what do we make of the Steelers team? Is it that they can win ugly? Like, is that the takeaway? The Steelers are who we thought the Patriots were going to be, which is they fart around for three quarters. They, they screw around for three quarters and wait for you to mess up. They are the White Walkers. They are, we're going to look like we're dead for three and a half quarters, and then we will block a punt, or then we will force a turnover. Our offense will look like absolute garbage for 50 out of 60 minutes, and then George Pickens will make an insane touchdown catch. 
and then we'll be winning. And once we get a lead, then the defense starts to turn up. I don't know if the Steelers are actually good. I don't think so. But they will always do this. They have always done this. They are the walking dead. We think that they are. We think this team is bad. And then all of a sudden they are the seven seed in the AFC playoffs. And then like they're, they're like turning every game into a rock fight. Like I said, they are what we thought the Patriots were going to be. Even like with the worst quarterback. Lamar, I'm so inspired by. I'm, I'm really excited by watching Lamar. I can't wait to see what the season has in store for him. But it is kind of ironic, Mark, that like now Lamar is just like this superhero that the team cannot help. I mean. Yeah, I mean, look, he made some great throws in this game. And yeah, a couple of the drops, like maybe it wasn't the perfectly placed ball, but guys were open. And I mean, if a throws to your like back hip on a dig route or across a route, you're wide open. Like you got to catch that. Like you got to pull that in. The Aguilar drop was my goodness. I mean, can't help but think about that meme from when his Philly days, you know, guys tossing babies out windows and they were catching them. I'm like Aguilar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a, so much, we all had high hopes for Lamar coming into this year. I mean, I, JP picked him as the MVP and I, I think, you know, he could still get there. Um, the offense, I think, has been a bit more creative and dynamic and potentially explosive, but sometimes you have games like this and you know, from the Steelers' perspective, look, I love the, like, White Walkers analogy. Like, and I love the sort of what they are, who we thought the Patriots were going to be analogy. Like, I think it's absolutely fitting. And remember, look, when you talk about going into this year, like, Steelers making a playoff run, it was always going to be about the schedule, right? My friend Kyle Krabs has been telling me that since August because they still got games against, you know, they got a game against the Packers right now, which doesn't look to be too tough given what we're seeing from that team. They got a game against Arizona. They get a game against the Colts and who knows where Richardson will be. And oh yes, they got a home game against the Patriots, which I believe is a Sunday night game. Oh my God. That's in like week 16 or something. Now maybe it gets flexed out. That's flexible. flexible. Yeah, that's flexible. And I sure hope it does get flexed out because I do not need to see the Patriots on an Island game. I think the Aguilar drop gets a lot of play because it's Aguilar, but the Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews drops in the end zone were yeah. a lot worse. That Bateman drop was brutal, especially for a guy who was a first-round pick and was supposed to be the number one receiver for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews, it's been really weird with Mark Andrews. It feels like a lot of times like the spacing for the Ravens is weird, and it kind of feels like Mark Andrews is trying to do the Kelsey thing of like, oh, I'm just going to find space, and Lamar will find me. But what happens is he tends to float into the space where another receiver is, and now you're just making that crowded. So you, I'd want, I want to believe in the Ravens' offense so much, but with the drops and then the offensive line being on right tackle number three, like Daniel Falele is out there against T.J. Watt, and Ronnie Stanley looked really bad. Alex Highsmith had 10 pressures on Sunday. I want to believe, but – Everything outside of Lamar right now is just kind of eh. Um, I agree with you, JP, the Nelson Aguilar thing. We talked about, was it a touchdown in Cincinnati he had? That that was, I mean, it was, it was a great throw, play. but I mean, yeah, like it, it's like he's just low-hanging fruit, like in, in a way that like Rashad Bateman is. And so that's why people are going to take that and, and run with it. But 
Um, oh, well. Um, let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals. This was a really boring 34-point performance, I thought. Um, I don't know if y'all are – I thought one of y'all was fast-forwarding. 34 to 20, the final score mark against the Cardinals. The Bengals appear to be on the right track, I think, maybe. Uh, Jamar Chase went off. Um, but again, like, I don't want to say it feels hollow, Mark, but like it was – it didn't feel the way I, I thought it would feel, I guess is maybe what I'm, I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, this is one – I didn't have this game on live, so I had to go back and rewatch it. But you see, like, the stat lines, you see the score, you see a lot of the stuff, and you're, like, expecting to see, oh, man, they were just incredible. And it was kind of like an okay offensive performance. I mean, I think the thing to take away from this if you're a Bengals fan is Burrow looked a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. Like, the past couple of weeks with that cap injury, he's looked really unsettled sort of been a, a sitting duck back there. And look, we had the debate, football court, me, JP, and James, like should they sit him down? Should they effectively tank the season? Because you think about what they coming up after their bye, like, you know, you've got games against the Bills. You've got games against the Niners. You've got games against the Texans, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Jags. Like they get a really tough slate coming up. So the idea was maybe you get borrowed to 100%. He looked better this week, which I think helped. Like he had some, I don't want to say – a lot of zip on throws because he's never had that huge arm, but he had a little bit more than I've seen in recent weeks, particularly on throws 10 yards or more downfield. So I think it was an okay sort of right the ship kind of performance. I don't want to say it was a get right. It was a, the boat's been capsized. You've now turned it over, but you're still kind of taking on water and you're a little bit worried about getting back to shore, but you at least have a shot at getting back to shore. Now Joe Burrow took a 15 yard sack and Ariel was like, Oh my God, he can move again. Like it's the, that was the, that's how bad the, the uh, Bengals were. That's how bad things were looking at this point during the season. Joe Burrow looked effective. I think the pocket maneuvering, the ability to create was once again back for a little bit. Jamar Chase went off, which we know he can do. I'm still worried about this offensive line. And it's really bad because it's not like the players are bad. It's the communication that's bad. And we're five weeks into the season. It's not anymore, oh, this is a new group. They have to gel together. This is like, you've been together for a, for a while now. You've played hundreds of snaps together. This is, the Cardinals basically stunted and twisted the Bengals' offense to hell on Sunday. And it got home. And it's really bad when you go against teams up in the future, like the Steelers or like the Bills, who can do that stuff to you. You really need Joe Burrow healthy. I think this was a good sign for him that he was able to move and maneuver and you were starting to find more ways to incorporate Jamar Chase into this offense. But I kind of feel like with Mark's analogy of like now the boat is upright, you're still taking on water. I feel like the Bengals offense has kind of been taken on water. Like if you watch them, like they've been taken on water even while they're good. It's just Joe Burrow has the ability to take the water and get it out as soon as the water gets in because of his ability, because of how good he's been and how good Jamar Chase has been and how good that receiving core has been. They have masked a lot of issues with this offensive line and with the play calling and the structure of the offense. But if they can get back healthy, if Joe Burrow plays like this, then it'll probably be the same thing, which is the Bengals are still a very good team. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in the long-term future of the Cardinals. I, I, I think the Cardinals, I mean, it was super easy to rake over Jonathan Gannon at the very beginning, but I think I think we're all impressed. Like, the bar is very low, you know, that, that was needed to be cleared. But still, um, 
I'm interested. That's all I'm willing to say. Uh, we have four games left. Um, I'm going to go ahead and fast forward through Monday Night Football Stinker. <laughs> Uh, between the Packers and the Raiders um, that the Raiders managed to eke out, um, even though Josh McDaniels was a coward. Uh, but still, that game has now been fast-forwarded. Uh, JP, you still hold your fast-forward uh, with three games left. So if you want to use it, use it wisely. The Philadelphia Eagles got to 5-0 and mark um, with a 23-14 to win over the LA Rams. Kind of a close game, but the Eagles just have such an ability to do what is necessary for whatever drive it is uh, to go put a game away. Yeah, I mean, they get some help. I mean, they had the touchdown drive before the half where you get Kendrick getting a, a defensive penalty and then another defensive penalty, get a horse collar tackle and a DPI, and suddenly you get down like 70 yards within like three seconds and you're able to get a touchdown before the half, which I think was kind of huge for them. I think an interesting thing to sort of follow, there's been a lot of angst over the offense and Hurts and where they've been. And Rachel and I talked about this last offseason coming into the year over the summer. Well, look, you get – Brian Johnson, who's called plays before at the collegiate level, not at the NFL level. Like there's been a lot of angst over, is he a little bit conservative? He's still going through sort of a feeling out process. You lose both coordinators, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. There's going to be an adjustment phase. I think we're still in that adjustment phase, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to be okay. Like you're still unbeaten. Okay. Is there potentially a gap between you and the Niners right now? Yeah. But it's also mid-October. It's not mid-December. If we're still worried about all this stuff come mid-December, yeah, then it's probably time to worry. But Eagles fans, it's going to be okay. Plus, when you look at what they have up front on defense, you're going to be all right. The Eagles feel inevitable, but in a different way than the 49ers. I think the 49ers feel inevitable because, like, they can just blow teams out. They can, when they turn it on, they can just boat race you. The Eagles feel inevitable because no matter how close you get to them, you will never be close enough because they can go on drives like they did at the end of the first half where you can just go, oh, A.J. Brown is inevitable. You don't have a guy as strong as him, as physical as him outside. And you can get a big pass and then a DPI and you get into the red zone on basically the one yard. line. They feel inevitable because they have the best offensive line in football. They have the best skill position group. Not skill position. They have the best position group in football with that offensive line. They can completely flip a game. If they want to slow down a game, they can. They will run a 17-play drive. They can do that because they have the offensive line, too. They can flip games with their defense. I think the defensive adjustments were very good in this game, especially because they were getting killed on inbreakers and Cooper Cup option routes. And then they're like, okay, just play with inside leverage. Force Stafford to make throws outside the numbers. I mean, he can, but those are mathematically harder throws to hit. But they, I know it looks rough, but they feel inevitable in a way where, like, people are going to be like, oh, they're winning a bunch of one-score games. Why don't they have the same thing? Why are we saying the same thing about the Vikings last year as we did the Eagles this year? Because the Eagles are a much better football team. They are built much more strategic. They are built much more sound. and they have the best position group in football. They can just change games like that. I would also offer that based on last year, they have the benefit of the doubt. The Vikings didn't have that, you know, at least in this regime, nobody has ever been willing to give Kirk Cousins the benefit of the doubt, even though that's silly, but not that it's the same, but I mean, still, um, and look, if you are struggling, if, if we want to use that word loosely and you're five and zero in the process, like you got 
you got rich people problems at that point. So um, we'll see. Um, the New York Jets, JP, I kind of hope you don't fast forward to this. Um, although we don't need to spend a ton of time. Um, beat the Denver Broncos 31 to 21. Um, but Mark, this was all about Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, Sean Payton. And uh, like, what an embarrassing loss. Like, it would have been embarrassing had the Broncos lost to the Aaron Rodgers like Jets, right? Because of what Sean Payton said. To, and not only lose, but to actually lose and give Zach Wilson his first full credited win of the season because he didn't start week one. This is like a – like, Mark, I, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say this is an all-time low for the Denver Broncos franchise. When you get violently dunked on by the Jets social media team in the aftermath, of, they had that in the drafts just ready to go because, I mean, they, they were still walking out to shake hands and that post went up on Twitter. Um, I talked a lot about how the Patriots are the worst team in football, but this is the worst defense we've seen in a very long time. And I know JP's working on this, but we're talking about a team – 32nd in EPA per play defensively, 31st in EPA per run defensively, 32nd in EPA per pass. They're allowed 36.2 points per game, which is the worst in the NFL. Now, letting the Dolphins hang 70 on you is certainly going to hurt, but it's not like Russell Wilson is playing horrific football. Like, he was right. 20 of 31 for only 196 with two touchdowns. Like, arguably an efficient game. It's just when you're down in games like they've been – you become one-dimensional, and it's, it's tough to win football games. I mean, Brees Hall had a very nice day. Zach Wilson got a win. But it all has to come with the context that it's coming up against uh, – I don't even want to say JV defense. This is a freshman team defense, right? Like, JP's brother is starting on this defense right now for the Denver Broncos. Um, This team is poorly coached. And <laughs> I know that this is like a Sean Payton, like, has the tenure of, like, he has the benefit of the doubt, but this is a poorly coached football team. In the second half of football games, their offensive EPA is 31st, and that's including, like, third third quarter, fourth quarter, and overtime. That's a poorly coached football team. You think We think about all the games where they have collapsed in the fourth quarter. The only game where they actually, like, made something happen in the second half was against the Chicago Bears, who might not – who aren't actually a good football team. There, it's time to start asking some questions, like with Sean Payton and Vance Joseph. I think we've already asked questions about Vance Joseph, but it's Sean Payton because Russ looks better than he did last year. Like it's not like it's not an hyperbole to say he's looked better, but you're asking a 35-year-old Russell Wilson to mask for inefficiencies on the offensive line, inefficiencies among the receiver core, and inefficiencies among a defense that probably has the best cornerback in football, and you just can't. This is a poorly coached football team who is making now a comedy of errors. The Broncos are not just bad. They are a they are the punchline. They are the punchline of every joke. And it's bad because Sean Payton talked all this shit in the offseason about how they were going to be tougher. They were going to throw all the bad stuff out the window from, from last year. Now you're worse. You're worse than Nathaniel Hackett was last year. Nathaniel Hackett got fired after Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, by the way, I got a Christmas gift for everybody. Christmas Eve, primetime game, Patriots Broncos. Oh, no, no, uh, no. That is the lump of coal. Y'all got coal for Christmas this year, kid. Santa um, better not bring that to my door. So what I will say is I've always liked Russell Wilson, the person. Like, I mean, in a general sense, right? Like, I understand he's a little whatever and it rubs people the wrong way. But, like, I think that – and at his core, he just wants to 
do good and put good into the world again. I'm not saying he's not flawed. I've always, you know, I think young Russ was really easy to root for and like, like we all felt that way. Maybe not you, Mark, um, you know, given the Seahawks Patriots tension for a little bit there. Uh, but I mean, you know, so like, and by all accounts, like Russ has never said anything that Sean Payton said. Like Russ has never like publicly attacked someone the way, you know, again, everyone's like bother with him is that he's annoying and cheesy or whatever. Um, like Russ on the Falcons next year. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, I think, you know, what I may, maybe not JP look, it'd be more, it'd be fun. It would be funny. How about this? Let me, let me land the plane here. It would be funny because the, the phase we're at in the Sean Payton Denver Broncos experience is they're in, right? Like this is sunk cost fallacy for the Broncos, even though it's super early, they've devoted all these resources and, and he's stripping it for parts. He shipped Randy Gregory out. We're going to see Jerry Judy sent off. I imagine Corlin son, like it's, this is, Oh no, we have to completely tear this down. Blah, blah, blah. It would be hilarious if Russell went somewhere else, call it anywhere else, um, and had success, and the Broncos continue to suck. Can you at least give me a head nod for that, JP, even though you didn't like the Falcons take? Yeah, I'll say that. It's it's about time for the Broncos to start making that fire sale. I Yeah, but, like, it's, like, again, they were really bad last year, and I hate to put it this way, but the vibes weren't, like, embarrassing bad. They, they were embarrassing football bad, but now you're just a joke. Like, Sean Payton has made them unlikable and detestable that might be an, an exaggerated way to put it but like he made them into a villain like he made them something that they weren't even through the calamity of errors last season so um like who wasn't rooting for for the jets on sunday like nobody you know what i mean like everybody wanted nathaniel hackett to get that moment every single person even you mark i mean like you know I don't have it much was else hilarious. to root for so yeah might as well that's that's true um okay last one um if you want to fast forward i'm using you can forward here well, quickly, because uh, the Chiefs beat the Vikings 27 to 20. Um, the only thing I think that we can discuss or should discuss, uh, there was the report on Tuesday morning, since we're doing this on Tuesday. Uh, I don't know that we could call it a report, JP, uh, but Adam Schefter tweeted out basically pontificating that Justin Jefferson, who's to be placed on injured reserve, could like not return <laughs> if, if the Vikings are, are bad because he wants a new contract. Kind of a weird tweet for Schefter to send out, but that's kind of not something he's not necessarily unknown for uh but um yeah the, the we're like a few losses away from things getting really bad for the vikings JP. shout out to justin jefferson's agent for sending that to adam schefter early in the morning so we have <laughs> something to talk about he that is verbatim like that it's like directly right. like he copy pasted that from his agent um there's not much else to say about the vikings they are competitively rebuilding that is something that we have known that they want to do even before they made the playoffs last year. This is the competitive part of competitively rebuilding. They, they're going to lose games, but they will always lose one score games. This is the, that's the competitive part of rebuilding. If you don't want the competitive part, you just end up looking like the bears. That's really, that's where they are right now. It's just, there's nothing much else to say outside of like, they fumbled again on the first play of the game. And that's extremely funny. They have, I think, Mark, uh, I think Airshot said it. Like, they have the most, they have the worst fumble luck in the NFL right now. And it's not just like they're not recovering any fumbles. They're also fumbling a lot. And like some of the guys I talked to uh, for the Vikings are like, yeah, they practice like ball protection and ball security. It's just not working. <laughs> like whatever they're doing, they need to find something different. Um, Mark, I don't mean to make light of an almost injury, but you could almost hear like the NFL content machine 
holding their breaths when Travis Kelsey, you know, went down awkwardly uh, because of everything that they've gotten out of obviously him and Taylor Swift over the last few weeks. But thankfully, because no, we don't ever want anyone to get hurt. Um, he was all right. And of course he caught a touchdown. If there is any force on this planet that can get artificial turf out of football, it's the Swifties. Okay? <laughs> because the Swifties immediately oh, started jumping on this. Like you saw it on Twitter or X, social media, whatever you want to call it these days. Say, oh, artificial turf is bad. And and Travis makes Taylor so happy. So we got to get this. I mean, look, Swifties doing, being a force for good. I'm all for that. This is like mm. that meme from Lord of the Rings where it's like, I never thought I'd fight alongside a Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, but how about a hater of artificial turf? I can do that. I can definitely do that here. Um, it'll be artificial turf will probably be gone within the week if the Swifties keep this up. They are. They we are, are all fighting under. They're the most. We're all fighting under a common banner this yes. week. To your point, JP. You're all fighting um, under well a common banner. Rachel, if you could please join us um, and let us know why you think turf is awesome. Um, and also uh, things you liked that we said today. Uh, and of course, if you can crown the MFW MVP of the week. I want to start with my takeaways. Um, you guys already touched on the Panthers game and how it's just so disappointing uh, for Bryce Young and how he needs more talent around him um so one of my stock downs for the week was definitely their running back miles sanders it just sucks because you know they paid him to you know help them out and he's just been very inefficient this season and so the fact that he only had 32 yards rushing and he had a fumble in the game against the lions is very disappointing and then of course i gotta you know share my thoughts a little bit on the ravens um i don't know who said it i think it was rj you said how like Lamar is the superhero and at the end of the day, like they just failed him yesterday. So that was my favorite point by you, RJ. So good job for that one. Um, but yeah, I'm just very disappointed and they got to do better. I still don't believe that the, like the Steelers did not beat them. The Ravens beat themselves at the end of the day. And so it's just dis disappointing because they should have got that win. Um, another one of my points that I wanted to make about RJ is that the Broncos game should have been fast forwarded. I think you said like JP don't fast forward. And I'm like, well, that should have been. I want, I wanted to dunk on them. Uh, like, you know what I mean? I just wanted the opportunity. Okay, okay. So that, that was my only reason. Mark, I agreed with your point about Bill Belichick. And after he finishes with the Patriots, like he needs to be done. I don't think that he, I don't know, RJ, I think you said, I don't know who you said he needs to end up with, but I didn't agree with that one. He needs to be done. Like mm. just, you know, this wasn't a good run. It is what it is. You still have a legacy. Just leave it there. Um, and then JP, um, I liked your point about the Bengals, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, um, but how they masked a lot of their issues because, you know, when they look good, it's kind of just like over shadows all of the other stuff. So there's still a little bit of potential there. I still think they're a good team. Um, but today I'm going to give it to RJ. Let's go. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to actually shout out to all of you because uh, I single handedly delayed this episode and I told you I'll just peek behind the curtain that the dogs are getting groomed out front and I ran out because I thought they were ready, but they're not. So shout out to the dog groomer uh, for being able to hold them this entire nice. time. Um, so those are my MVPs, Rachel, Mark, JP and our wonderful dog groomer. And I guess my dogs because I guess they played <laughs> a part in that. Um, JP, I'm sorry for the Dame Lillard shots that I took and including bringing it up again right now. Uh, <laughs> Mark. Uh, I'm sorry that the Patriots uh, have cast you into uh, a new light that is not enjoyable. But again, nobody feels really bad for you. Rachel, Lamar Jackson forever. And um, yeah, as we leave, JP, I would like you to tell us something interesting about the world.
Something interesting about the world. The Dallas Cowboys scored 10 points on national TV on Sunday. That's pretty interesting to me. We needed some heat. That's, that's what we needed here as a, as a, as a group. We needed some, some heat. Um, you know what? It's all good. It's, it's all good, JP. You know? I'm, I'm a Spurs fan, so I hate the heat. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.